If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien with Nicole Braddock-Bromley. It looks different for everybody. There's something you're afraid of in life. You want to hit it head on, but you don't even know where to begin. Obviously, here we're talking about healing from sexual abuse and what looks like after going through that trauma. So, Nicole, for you personally, what does it look like to do it afraid? Doing it afraid to me means you step forward despite your fears. You know, you take risks. It's about believing that the pain of the past is going to pale in comparison to the path ahead of you. I can remember the day that that switch was flipped for me. I was, you know, silent for so many years, hidden because of my shame, hidden because I believed I was too damaged, too worthless, hidden because I couldn't trust anyone. I was afraid to be vulnerable or to communicate my needs and definitely afraid to create that circle of inspiration that I talked about in my book, Breathe. Doing it afraid for me, Mary, it meant taking one step further. So it's one step after another. It's, you know, the baby steps that we talk about when you're moving from silence to healing after childhood sexual abuse or after rape. My pastor always talks about right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. So you just obey what you feel God's telling you to do at the time. You walk through the doors he's opening for you. Um, In my life, each of my steps that I've taken, you know, ever since I told my mom at 14 years old about the abuse by my stepdad, Each of my steps from then until now were a decision simply to make movement. It was just action following significant moments in my life. So the first step, I share my story with my mom. And many of you know my story. I finally found the courage to tell my mom when I was 14 after almost 10 years of sexual abuse. I trusted her, you know, and that gave me that courage I needed to tell her. But it still took me almost 10 years to do it. You know, I needed the right opportunity. I needed to gather up that courage and to do it afraid. And I'm so glad I took that step. And then another step, you know, I share my story a year later at a summer camp and I was scared to death, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. And and I found out later it was, you know, people were responding. Kids were responding to that story with their own stories. And little did I know that I wasn't alone until I took that step, until I did it afraid. You know, sometimes even if we're afraid and we just decide to tiptoe out of our hiding place, that's the moment when other people can say, me too. And and then we know that it was worth it, but we won't ever know that it's worth it unless we try, unless we do things afraid. I love that statement right there, Nicole. I don't think I've heard you say that before, but just painting that picture of tiptoeing out of your hiding place. Because that's exactly what it's like. You're kind of looking around, you're hesitant, you're scared, but you want to go after whatever it is. And for me, in my early 20s, I had so much junk bubbling to the surface telling me, 
your abuse needs to be put in the light. I was having panic attacks and migraines and so much stuff that was debilitating. I didn't know how to continue on through life. So I made the tough decision to go to counseling and that was scary enough. And after going for close to two years, I then decided to bring my parents in the session so I could tell them about what I'd gone through. And that's what doing it afraid <laughs> looked like for me. That's incredible courage. And I am so proud of you for that. Um, I think that, I mean, I picture myself in your shoes and I think that would just take a tremendous amount of courage to make those choices and to take those steps, you know, as an early 20 something, right? Yeah. And for me at that time in my life, that's when I decided to go to counseling too. And that was a huge step for me. I was afraid of what people would think about me if they, you know, knew that I was going to counseling. I wasn't really outspoken at that point in my college career. I remember my first counseling appointment. I knew I needed to take the step towards counseling. I could see how the effects of abuse were um, kind of surfacing in my life and my relationships and my choices. And so, you know, I made that bold move and I, I decided to do it afraid. But in the meantime, I was walking to my first counseling session with my hoodie up over my head, pulled super tight to where I just had a little people because I didn't want people to know it was me. But I was not a very smart girl at the time. And, you know, I played college sports and so my number was on the back of my hoodie. So everybody knew it was me. I didn't even think about it at the time. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, taking that step was huge for me at the same time in my life. And then the next step, I graduated from from college. I decided I start volunteering, you know, my senior year. And then after I had graduated, just making myself available to be a voice and doors just started opening for me. So, you know, I started an organization at age 21. I was living in my grandma's attic, eating a can of peas for dinner every night (laughs) to save money. I was substitute (laughs) teaching when I wasn't flying somewhere. But, you know, just traveling the country alone, speaking on stage. I was not qualified to be standing on. I was sitting in meetings. I had no place to be in. All the while thinking, you know, who am I? I don't feel qualified, but I'm just walking through the doors that God's opening. I'm doing things afraid because I believe the pain of staying where I am is greater than the pain of where I'm headed. And I had passion. God was giving me passion to do these things. And here we are 14 years later and one voice is still up and running and God is doing really amazing things. And I'm so glad that I I continue to step out. You know, soon the next step was writing my story and, you know, three books in now. And, and then the next step, sharing my story in other countries, you know, giving me a platform to speak on sex trafficking. I never even knew about sex trafficking 14 years ago. So all of this stuff is just, I think, a testimony of of doing it afraid and, and understanding that when you surrender to God, all that you are, you know, your past, your wounds, your life, you can just stand there and you can bask in his love. But I think there comes a point in time when you can't just stand there and just accept the healing that he's given you, the comfort that he's given you. You have to do something more about it. You have to move. You know, you have to tiptoe out of that hiding place and and you have to take his compassion and his comfort and um, his love to the world, to others around you. You have to take action, you know, one step at a time. 
We just celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And what you're saying, Nicole, reminds me of one of his quotes. Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. It can obviously be incredibly scary uh, to go through that door that God has opened because you don't know what the future looks like. But there is so much hope and comfort in knowing that he has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. And you have to trust in him to work everything out. And you just follow his lead and amazing things can come out of that. And obviously your story proves that. I think it's important to recognize that finding the courage to step out of my hiding place wasn't just for reaching others on their healing paths, but it was for my healing as well. Some of the biggest fears we have as survivors of sexual abuse aren't wrapped totally around our willingness to reach out and make a difference. Uh, I think survivors are some of the most generous people in the world when it comes to helping others. So what many of us struggle the most with is actually helping ourselves. Uh, Chapter two in my book, Hush, walks through many of those common fears that we have on this journey of moving from silence to healing. You know, we're afraid to tell, we're afraid to trust, to be vulnerable, to be loved, to let go of our means of coping. I think just afraid to communicate our needs, afraid to talk to a counselor, afraid to forgive afraid of maybe disappointing people or afraid to cry in front of others. Obviously, abuse survivors have a ton of fears when it comes to personal relationships. So, Nicole, how do you deal with those fears? I always have to remind myself that courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the willingness to act in the face of fear. You know, it's what enabled me to tell my story and to take all those steps we've already discussed. It's about, you know, letting the encouragers in and letting go of the discouragers. Letting others in has always been scary for me, though. You know, I can be very independent. I prefer to do things alone. I don't trust a lot of people. But deep down, I've always known I needed a circle of inspiration, like I reference in my book, Breathe. That habitat for healing, the place that you can talk about your struggles and you're listened to, you are being supported, you're receiving unconditional love, that safe place where you can finally be free to breathe. So the fears that I had of being vulnerable or trusting others eventually became smaller than the need I felt for support. I remember getting to that point in my life where I didn't want to live as a victim the rest of my life. I didn't want to pretend. I knew that in order to be healthy, happy, full of life, I needed to be the real me. And to do that, I had to come out from hiding. I had to get real about my past and really heal. And to heal, I knew I needed to surround myself with a safe, supportive community. I had to speak out about my past, my pain, my struggles. I had to define the lies that were holding me in darkness replace them with truth. I needed people to help me do that. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to reach out and ask for help and support, but it also takes courage to reach out and ask if someone else needs help. If we want to see people's lives changed, you know, people set free, we have to do things afraid. So this past week, my grandfather died and everything in me said that I needed to be alone, that I needed to deal with all of this stuff in isolation, that the hurts that were in my heart were too much for anyone else to deal with. So I wrestled with that and I really struggled with allowing other people to sort of be there for me. And I remember just a couple hours after I had found out, you know, just crying 
alone in my office for a while and eventually I got on the phone and I called my best friend Mary (laughs) and I decided to do that afraid you know to actually pick up the phone and call knowing that I was going to be crying and, and hurting but to tell somebody about it and then you know I remember Mary responding to me and saying obviously all the right things as she always does <laughs> but then asking you know what I needed and you know I remember you Mary actually like saying certain things that you know mentioning maybe you need to go be you know with your family maybe you need to do this for yourself and all these different things and and those are all really great and good but I also deep down knew what I what I needed and I was afraid to say it afraid of what it might mean you know trust vulnerability deep wounds that were going to surface I was really close with my grandfather. He was a rock to me. He was one of my safe places and I had lost him. And so I knew it was just going to bring up a lot of stuff from my past. And I had to communicate what I needed. I had to do that, even though I was afraid to do it. And so I remember just sitting there wrestling with it. And I was just sitting in my office closet and we were on the phone and, you know, she was telling me all these different things that I should do. And then I said, I know what I need. And you said, what? And I said, to be honest, I really need you. And then that was it. I mean, Mary dropped everything. She wasn't sure how she'd make it happen, but she said she would a couple hours later. Mary <laughs> shows up to my house with everything for a pizza party for my kids. <laughs> Donuts, which are my favorite. <laughs> Flowers and just an amazing listening ear. And that's exactly what my heart needed. I knew it, but I was afraid to ask. But I did it anyway. I did it afraid. And, you know, granted, Mary's my best friend. I trust her with my heart. But even in those safe places that you have, your fears can still bubble to the surface and you still have to do things afraid. Number one, Nicole, as always, I'm so proud of you for pushing through and and doing things afraid. And I'm so honored that I could be there for you through a, a huge loss like that in your life. And it even makes me think about how much our trauma from our childhood bleeds into other areas of life. Because you think about, well, what does your abuse from your childhood have to do with you as an adult in dealing with loss? It all just comes together in the same place in your brain, all of those emotions and feelings and fears, it all just kind of comes together in one big melting pot. And it's hard to sift through all of that. So it's almost like for us survivors, you have to be one step ahead and prepared for stuff like this in life. It's really heavy and hard because I think it's extra difficult for us as survivors of sexual abuse. So true. The effects of sexual abuse last a lifetime and they reach into so many areas of our lives. We definitely have to acknowledge that for ourselves, but we also need to acknowledge that for others or people around each of us struggling with something, people who've been abused, people who are hurting themselves because of the shame they carry from the abuse. The list can go on and on of the struggles that are in every single person you meet at any moment in the day. But the question I think we need to end on today is would you call them out from hiding? Would you give these people a safe space to struggle? Would you welcome them? Would you love them? Would you fight alongside of them and for them? We can spend all of our time in support groups, churches, sitting under incredible teaching, being inspired by authors and amazing bands and 
all of that is so good. I mean, please, please, please read my books, listen to our <laughs> podcast, you know, watch my interviews, gather survivors and go through my support and recovery curriculum. Yes, yes, yes. It's all important or I wouldn't have poured my heart into these resources if they didn't matter. But we can't end there. You know, at some point you have to reach outside of yourself and offer what you have to others. Today, our prayer is that you'd be willing to acknowledge any fear you have in stepping out. Our hope is that you would find the courage to go where you know you need to go, to do the things you feel called to do, and to no longer let your fears paralyze you. We pray that God would give you the strength, courage, and boldness to step over the hurdles in your path and to do things afraid. During our next podcast, we're going to continue the conversation about your circle of inspiration. We're so glad you're here. We hope you'll subscribe, write a review if you heard something you like, even invite friends and family to listen so more survivors can hear about healing. Check us out on Facebook or log on to IamOneVoice.org.